Please grab your seats. Thank you, Chris, so much. It's good just to be focusing on these things. The world is occupied by these things, and the church needs to have a, a response into that as well. So Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be looking today. So I'm not going to say anything else at the moment, but um, Luke chapter 2. Claire's going to read our passage uh, today. You might want to turn to it in your Bibles. And uh, we're going to just sort of focus on a few passages, a few scriptures from this famous chapter. Thank you, Claire. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in a manger. Excellent. Thank you, Claire. This is the last of our summer series that we've been focusing on this particular event, the coming of the Christ. And uh, over the last uh, three Sundays, we've been focusing on one or two characters that kind of you see in this, in this whole event. So in the first Sunday of January, uh, we focused on Mary, and you remember Esther focused on her and uh, really made a wonderful point. Uh, I think she was saying that Mary's attitude was uh, in response to the angel, if the Holy Spirit is in it, then I am too. And that was her kind of attitude about it all, which is a wonderful attitude. And then in the second Sunday, Nat uh, focused on really the main personality, the main character of those early chapters of the gospel, which of course is God the Son coming as a baby in the manger, this little baby and, uh, and all the vulnerability that that meant. So that was the second Sunday. And then last Sunday, Dally was preaching and was really focusing on J Joseph. And it was wonderful, really. It was all about how Joseph made space for God if you remember that, and uh, how this year we were to make space for God, this wonderful availability to what God was wanting to do. Well, well, this Sunday, this last Sunday of our series, before we go up to Tamanua, the new one, my job is to look at a group of characters who, who don't really stand out very much at all. And that, of course, is these shepherds that we read about in the passage. And you may well think, well, Pete, why, why focus on the shepherds then if they don't stand out? And uh, I think it's important because I'd argue that what happens with these shepherds, right, gives us an amazing insight into God's heart for each one of us here today in this hall. It's that profound. All right, so, so we're going to walk slowly through the story again and just break it down, and I'll try and get across what I'm trying to say here today. So uh, it's heaven touching earth is the theme, but let's go back to the passage. And the first one, well, we can just barely make it out there, the first few words it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. All right, famous first few words. And we know immediately that there's nothing that makes these guys stand out at all. We're told nothing about these shepherds. We're not told how many of them there were, or their ages, or their names. We know nothing about these guys. 
and uh, nothing outstanding. And it's not like they're doing anything special either. You know, it's not like on this great famous night they're in prayer, you know, prayer meeting or opening their Bibles and studying it or fasting or anything. No, no, we read here that they're just doing what they've always done. They are looking after their flocks. And then comes verse 9, all right? It said, oh, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. All right, now that is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, how many here have seen angels? Uh, hands up if you've seen more than 25, all right? Any, anyone seen more than 25 angels at one time? No? No? Or 20? I see that hand. No hands? Ten? Five? One? Or is it, okay, a little hand might be possibly there, possibly. Well, the thing is, this is extraordinary, right? This is an angel appearing to these ordinary shepherds. And we're not told what he looked like, but he was glorious. The rest of verse 9, if you can make it out, it says, uh, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. All right, so, so this angel has appeared. This is the beginning of something spectacular. And then, if that's not enough, it's what he says, isn't it? If you can make it out. It says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And then you get this bit. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And listen, I want to just say, this is, this is a, one of the greatest announcements, probably the greatest announcement in centuries, possibly the greatest announcement of all time up to, that, up to that moment. If you think about it, the whole of the Old Testament scriptures have been reaching forward to the day when the Messiah would come. All right, you go right back to the Garden of Eden, when you've got the serpent's head being crushed, that prophetic word right back then, and if you follow on after that, it's reaching forward to the day when God would send his chosen one through the patriarchal period and you've got the deliverance of the Jews from, from the Exodus and then you've got uh, the whole sacrificial system of the tabernacle and the temple. It's all reaching forward to the day when God would sort out our sin. And the prophecies and the prophets who spoke after that, centuries of the prophets, all reaching forward to when the Messiah would come. And then if you know the story... By the end of the Old Testament, he still hasn't come. And then you've got century after century of waiting, and he still hasn't turned up. Until finally, this day, this announcement, today, today the Savior has come, the Messiah. And uh, you think about that, the great statements and announcements of history that we've had. You know, one small step for man, that's a great pronouncement. That's nothing compared to this, right? Because this is about God coming to the earth and the redemption of fallen man for eternity, all right? It's a massive announcement. I think it's one of the greatest statements ever. It's huge. And then if that's not enough, to cap it off, what then happens is this. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Again, get a sense of the scale of this. It says, it says suddenly a company of the heavenly host. I think it's a slightly unfortunate term, company, because company suggests, well, I have people over for tea for company. All right? It's a bit domestic. You know, or, a, or a military company is quite small. But there are other translations that actually make it more accurate. There's one translation that says this. It says, a vast host of the armies of heaven appeared. 
right? Think about that. So you're, you're thinking about, you probably can't see that at all, but it's like a vast host. You're talking about thousands upon thousands of God's heavenly soldiers appearing to these shepherds, all right? It's phenomenal. They are shouting praise. Think of the biggest thing you've seen, and it will still be small by comparison. Think about the Sydney Harbour Bridge on uh, New Year's Eve. If you've ever seen that, it's spectacular, but it's nothing like this. All right? This is far bigger. And of course, the question, I don't know about you, but I found myself asking years ago is, is why? All right, why? Why? Why, why this extravagance? Why this over-the-top extravagance? to a small group of anonymous shepherds. Why? I mean, it's not like these guys have got anything to recommend them. Right? It's not like they are somehow um, you know, strategically important for the church. You know, these guys need to see the glory of God because they're going to be those who are going to lead the church through in the book of Acts, therefore they need to see this. Well, the reality, reality is they drop out of history by the end of the page. We never see them again. They're not strategically important. And it's not even as if, as if they fully understand what they were seeing. It's not like if all these angels had appeared before some of those in the priesthood, see, priests would have understood the theological implications of what they were seeing. Well, these guys wouldn't. They're shepherds. They're uneducated. They are kind of the lowest of the low. So again, you've got to ask yourself, why, why should these shepherds be given this extravagant display of the glory of God. don't know whether you've ever asked yourself that. And I've been pondering this over the years, really, and I've actually found myself settling down on a couple of points, a couple of things that point to why this might be, and they both reflect God's heart. So I just want to focus on God's heart this morning as revealed through this passage. Because I believe this, what we have here, number one, what we have here is an insight into the incredible generosity and expansiveness of God's heart. That's what we see here. You see, the earth, on this night, nobody really knows what's going on. You've got this kind of stereotypical shot, really. Starry night, holy night, silent night, a few lights on in Bethlehem. They don't know what's going on. But in heaven, they know. Heaven knows what's going on. I believe this, that in heaven you have a celebration going on the like of which you couldn't even imagine. Because they know this is the most momentous event in history. Heaven fully knows. All the prophecies over the years, the yearnings of hearts are now met. Now at last, the Savior is on the way. The Savior is on the way. And now at last it's happening. It's almost like, it's almost like this. I feel it's almost like heaven can't hold it in. It's like it's got to overflow. It reminds me, actually, of when I became a dad for the very first time, uh, all those years ago. When I became a father, uh, I remember it very well. Uh, I remember the hospital, when I was there in the hospital, watching Sam being born at the time. Uh, to be honest, I was in shock, uh, if I look back on it. I, and, and it didn't really sink in. I don't know if any other fathers can relate to that. But it didn't really sink in. I was in shock. I'd gone through the trauma of seeing this birth. Yeah, I know, I know Julie went through something as well, but, but actually it was me mainly, the trauma of me watching birth happening. Um, and, and, but the thing is, as I drove home, I, I remember the excitement beginning to build. And as I was driving, I was driving, I was thinking, I'm a dad, I'm a dad, I'm a dad, 
I have a son, I have a child. And uh, by the time I got home, I, I parked outside our estate of houses. This is in England, whole estate. So I get out of my car, and I remember I ran to the very first door, hammered on the door, it was late at night. The guy answers the door, and I said, I'm a dad, I'm a dad. And uh, he was kind of looking at me confused, like saying, yeah, we're all dads here, you know, whatever. You know, it's like, but it's like you couldn't keep it in. And I wonder if that's what we're seeing here. Heaven celebrating this huge event, and it's God's heart to let it overflow and include others in. I wonder if that's happening. You see, it's what God is like. He is generous and expansive and inclusive in his grace. Amen? He is. That's his heart. You see this again and again in Scripture. I love verses like James 1.5. God who gives generously to all without reproach. I just love that about God, don't you? Isaiah 54, 8 says, With everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. Everlasting kindness. Not a bit of kindness, it's everlasting kindness. I love Psalms like Psalm 103. It talks about God crowning me with loving kindness and compassion. You know, it's not like he slips us a bit of loving kindness and compassion. No, he crowns us. He goes over the top with his loving kindness and compassion. This is God. He lavishes his loving kindness. 1 John 1, look how much the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. God is generous, gracious, and happy to share. I just want to say that this morning. All right, Because it's something we just need to keep reminding ourselves of because so often, you know what, I think we discount ourselves from God's lavish grace, actually. I think we discount ourselves. You know what it's like? You can, you can read the biography of some heroic saint or something, what God has done in them and through them. And I don't know about you, but you can sometimes think, well, that's them and it will never be me. Or... You can hear about or see YouTube clips of what God is doing in other countries. Revival, angelic manifestations. And you think, yeah, but we're New Zealand, you know. We like, we're the kind of pineapple, pineapple ladump country, aren't we? You know, we have the pineapple umps. You know, it's like we have the little bits left over. And it's like, well, we're just here, it's us. You know, or you can come to church on a Sunday morning and you can be aware of God answering the prayers of others in the room. And you think, yeah, that's them, it's wonderful, but, but not me. Or even this morning as I'm talking, there may be one or two sitting on the edge, even now, and it's like you are on the outside, and you're looking in, and you're thinking, wow, they are enjoying the blessing of God, but I know what I've got waiting for me at home. I know that I'm struggling at home. I know with my kids, I'm struggling. I, my marriage, I'm struggling. My job... It's waiting for me on Monday morning, tomorrow. I'm struggling with the very thought of what I've got to go back to. And we can discount ourselves from God's gracious heart to share and to be generous. We can quietly exclude ourselves. Look, I think we need to understand God is generous in his grace. His heart is not to pass you by. And as you're looking at 2020, the year ahead, understand, I want to be able to pray, God, I know you have a good plan for my life. I know you're for me. I know your heart isn't to bypass me. That's what this passage teaches me. That's the first thing. First thing I get from the passage. And this leads me to the second thing as well, and it's this. You see, ask yourself again, why should God pour out his glory on these simple 
shepherds. Now, I know he's generous, as we've just said, but also, you know what? I think there is something about these guys. I think there is something there. You see, as I read this passage, I look at what's going on, I'm reminded of other verses in Scripture, right? Verses like Luke chapter 2. I love this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I love that. You've got little flock, and you've got the Father's good pleasure to share, to give the kingdom. There's, there's something about how God loves to share his kingdom, pour out his grace on the little flock. Yeah? To those who are simple and humble enough to know that by themselves they don't have anything. It's a bit like Isaiah 66, another favorite passage. This is God speaking. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. It's wonderful. So here's God saying, I fill heaven, the whole of the glories of heaven as just my throne. The glorious earth is just my footstool. I am glorious, but my eye looks at, I look to, I single out, I see, I favor, I press in on the one who has nothing and know they have nothing. I single them out, the one who's conscious of their need, to those who are aware they have nothing in themselves to recommend them, who are broken and poor in spirit. And they trust my word. It's beautiful. Don't you think it's beautiful? I think it's the most wonderful heart of God. It's like this other one, Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus again. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. It's beautiful. See, what I see here is that there's something that draws the heart of God. Right? There's something that draws down his grace, that catches his eye, that positions us to receive his love. It's called being poor in spirit. It's knowing that in yourself you are unable, you are weak, and you are needy. And somehow this positions us to see and receive his generous grace. It's about, I guess it's about recognizing our inability and acknowledging his great ability. Right? Paul's very aware of this. It's why he says in 2 Corinthians 12, he says... I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's like, like saying, I'm going to glory in my inability so that I can be in a place to receive his ability. And I don't know about you, but as I step into 2020, I want to settle it in my heart. I don't have what it takes to succeed this year. I know the success books that are out there in the shops on the top shelf will say, you have it all, you can do it all. No, I want to settle in my heart that I can't do it all, that I don't have the means, all right? I don't, want it has, I don't, want, I don't have what it takes to be a great husband or a great father or grandfather or a leader or a worker in my job. I don't have what it takes in me, but he 
does. And that's the difference. He does. And if I humble myself and acknowledge my need and cast myself on his grace, so I'm in a place to receive his glorious favor to succeed in the way that he wants me to. Amen? This is what it's all about. It's about positioning ourselves for 2020. All right? And I think we need to understand this. And if you're thinking, well, okay, Pete, okay, I'll do that then. Are you saying if I become more like this, more aware of my neediness, more dependent on him, then I'll see angels too? Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I wouldn't say claim that one, but you may. Probably not. You see, if I, if I think about the ways that God is revealing himself these days, all right, his, his love, his power, his presence, well, of course, he's primarily doing that through something far better than angels, isn't he? He's doing it through the person of his Holy Spirit. He's doing it himself. <laughs> the Spirit is God's presence on the earth, and that's how his grace flows. And as you read his word, you see that he's declared that this is how he wants it to flow. So you have the famous passages in Acts chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both women and men, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And then Peter goes on to say, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, to all whom the Lord our God will call. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can you see? The invitation is already there. It's like the table is set. The question is, are you conscious enough of your need to go and take your seat at the table and to draw on his grace? That's really the question. Because if you are, the promises you will receive. I think that's beautiful. I think what a great way to start 2020. So at the outset of 2020, I believe you can decide right now. You can decide. You can either, you can either step forcefully into the new year, grip your teeth again and fight your way through like you tried last year, you can buy all the books. I'm not discouraging books. Please don't mishear me. But you can depend on those. You can go to all the seminar and that. You can, grit your you can drive through, push other people out of the way, get to the top of the heap or try and get as close as you can. You can decide to try and do that this year. Or you can come to him. Lord, I need you. I don't have what it takes. I'm even a little bit tired of trying. You are generous. You want to include me in your blessing and not exclude me. I need your spirit. Come. And I know which choice I would make. So at the outset of 2020, I want to just leave that before you. How will you approach the year? And it may well be that God by his spirit will use books and seminars and other helps. He does that too. The point is that you're trusting in him, not in those things. Can we stand? God is so gracious. He is so good. Alex has got a green t-shirt on there and Joe got married a few days ago. <laughs> Wasn't going to let you escape that.
Ben also got married a few a little while ago. Ben, wherever Ben is. You had a party, right? Two weeks of a party you did in your, your wedding. Well, heaven had a party all those years ago. A glorious party. Heaven knew what was happening when Jesus came. Couldn't keep it in. Wanted to share it. God's heart is still to share. He does not exclude you. You need to maybe adjust your way of thinking from, oh, well, he'll never bless me, to, well, of course he will bless me. It's just how I come. I want to come knowing I have need and knowing, therefore, I'm positioned to receive his grace and his blessing for this year. Can we just bow our heads for a second? Is that okay? Hallelujah. 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 Father, we want to say we love you, Lord. I, I, we, 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 we exult in your heart to share, to be generous, to be full of compassion, to be full of mercy. Father, I thank you that we have no need to fear the year ahead. Father, none of us actually have any need to fear. All we need to do is to come and position ourselves before you, fully aware that of ourselves we can't make it. Lord, I think of Tim's prophetic word earlier in the meeting, that if you are safe, if you are, you're in the place where you think you can do it, then you're in the wrong place. That actually, Lord, we need you every step of the way. We don't want to do 2020 or try to in our own strength. Lord, we come and place ourselves before you and say, Lord, we want to do it in yours. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not just a theological concept. It's life. Father, thank you for setting the table. What a gracious table. We don't want to settle for crumbs that fall from the table. We want to be seated at the table and say, Lord, we are poor in spirit, but Father, you singled them out to give them the kingdom. So Lord, we come in all humility saying, Father, we need you and praise you, Lord, that you are happy to meet our need. We say, come Holy Spirit. Please pour out more of your spirit upon our lives. We say we want to lean into you at the outset and rejoice at what you will do through our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just as we're standing before God now, just cast your mind over the last year. Maybe take stock of where you are now. For some of us, for some, you're already tired and it's the beginning of the year. For others, you're still carrying the bruises and the cuts of trying to fight your way through last year. For one or two of you, maybe, you've been sitting there thinking, I'm on the outside looking in. They look so happy and their lives seem to be sorted out, but they don't know what I've left at home. If that's you this morning, Understand that God has set a place for you at the table. You qualify because you know your need. Even now, if that's you, you might want to just raise a hand or just...
come before God and say, Lord, here I am. Even now, right now, you know that what's ahead of you is far beyond your ability to achieve. And the pressures are banking up ahead of you. If that's you, then just right now, you might want to just raise your hands. Raise your hands because you're receiving the Spirit of God. An expectation of His grace. Each one of us is facing something which is beyond us. The impossible. Father, as we stand before you, we ask for your spirit to come upon us. Pour out your grace. Come upon us, Lord. We feel like those shepherds who had nothing. We know we don't have anything. But we have no strategic importance in the worldly terms. But Lord, we are your beloved. And that is enough for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, I believe, I love it, heaven is my throne. But this is the one I'm looking for. This is the one who catches my eye. Even as you're raising your hands, you're catching his eye. It's not me looking at you, it's God pressing in to bless.